Hello, I'm Don Mockholtz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 110 for the week of February 9th, 2022. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z, two H's, dot com. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, February 9th, the moon is slightly more than half full and in the evening sky. For the week, it will be getting brighter and rise about 40 minutes later each night. By next Tuesday, February 15th, the moon will be big and bright and up all night. Full moon is the next day, Wednesday, February 16th at 1656 Universal Time. The bright planet Jupiter is in our evening sky setting in the southwest as the sky darkens. We will be losing it in another week as it goes behind the sun on March 5th of this year. Strange, when I googled Jupiter conjunction with sun in order to find the exact date, I got a lot of astrological references. But when I put in the word superior in front of the word conjunction, as in Jupiter superior conjunction with sun, I got astronomical references. Our morning sky is where you can find the planets Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Mars is still very far away from us and only about five arc seconds in size. Even the planet Mercury appears larger than Mars at this point. In a couple of weeks, Saturn will join this group. Where we are headed for in all this is that in the middle of June, all five unaided eye bright planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, will be in the morning sky in order This will be during the whole month of June. In fact, during June, the two fainter major planets, Uranus and Neptune, will also be visible in our morning sky. I will discuss that in more detail as we approach June. And at that point, I will suggest doing what we did here about a year ago. Observe all the planets from Mercury through Neptune (laughs) Then reverse the order and reobserve them from Neptune through Mercury. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, February 9th through Tuesday, February 15th? It depends upon where you are located. In about 10 years, the International Space Station is expected to be deorbited. That is, it will be taken out of orbit and will fall into the ocean. 
Until then, the astronauts can enjoy it up there, and we can enjoy it down here. It is the brightest satellite in the sky, and any replacement is not likely to be as big and bright. This week, we have three zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 33 degrees north, you will not see it this week. Between 20 degrees south and 33 degrees north, you can see the ISS in the evening sky during the first part of the week and in your morning sky during the last part of the week. South of 20 degrees south, the ISS will be in your morning sky for the first part of the week and then in your evening sky for the second part of the week. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location, then click on ISS. With the moon still in the evening sky, now is a good time to get out to look for Comet 2017 K2 pan stars in the morning sky. It is presently magnitude 11, but it is slowly moving into the inner solar system. Right now, it's four times farther from us than is the sun. By December, it will be as close to the sun as it gets, 1.8 times the distance from the Earth to the sun. And it will be magnitude 5 or 6, easily visible in binoculars. It could be the brightest comet of the year. The Northern Hemisphere has had a view of this comet for the past few years, but the Northern Hemisphere will lose it in October as it moves south. All, all the comets are plotted on Podcast 110, Maps 1 and 2, and they're still visible, but get out and see them because they are getting fainter, most of them anyway. To get the most accurate and up-to-date positions for these comets, go to the website heavens-above.com and click on Comets. There you'll find the position and the maps for each comet. Stargazer Ranch, that's us, had a visit this week when astronomer Casper Weichels and his wife drove up from Tucson, Arizona. Casper, spelled K-A-C-P-E-R, works with the Catalina Sky Survey, and he has assigned observing runs on Mount Lemmon where the telescopes are located. The Catalina Sky Survey, now in its third decade, scans the skies with both a 1.5-meter telescope and a 1.0-meter Schmidt telescope looking for asteroids and comets that might one day hit us. None have been found that are on a collision course with us, and we know that because they are searching. The Catalina Sky Survey is the most successful program at finding near-Earth asteroids, also known as NEOs. The operators, including Casper, sit at the controls all night long and examine the images nearly as soon as they are captured. They look for both NEO asteroids and comets. 
and if they see a comet, they get credited with the discovery. Casper has discovered four comets this way, one within the past week. So far, the comets that he has found have remained faint. But you might remember Comet Leonard, C2021A1. It was discovered by Gregory Leonard, who works on the same team as does Casper. As a visual comet hunter, I search for comets visually from my home here in Arizona. The Catalina Sky Survey and other government-funded surveys find comets that I could have found. They are my competition. They can do this because they can see fainter than what I can see visually. And they pick up the comets while they are still a long way off. So you might ask, how did we get along? Wonderfully. Casper is kind, intelligent, and has a sense of humor. He's good at explaining things, too. And in the evening, we went out and looked at things with our telescopes. And he hopped in the binocular chair and gave himself a motorized tour of the sky. Casper knows the sky very well. There are photos posted by both him and I on my Twitter account, at Comet Mockles. My wife and I accept visitors here at our home, Stargazer Ranch, in northwest Arizona. We have an attached guest suite with a bedroom and a full bath. A couple of nights here allows one to unwind in our quiet environment and view the heavens from a dark sky site. Let me know if you're interested in visiting. Now I want to talk about Charles Messier, the Messier objects and visual comet discoveries. First is part one, then we'll move to part two. Part one is this. Charles Messier, an astronomer who searched for and found comets in the mid to late 1700s, compiled a catalog of 110 galaxies, star clusters, and nebula. He did this, uh, he said, to alert himself and other comet hunters to the nebulous objects in the sky which look like comets to the comet hunter. One would think that he cataloged them as he swept them up, but it did not really work that way. He himself discovered only about 40 of the 110 objects in his catalog. For most of the others, he heard about them from other astronomers and then turned his telescope to them to calculate an exact position and provide a description. This went on for decades. There were a few objects that Charles Messier picked up, that is, he discovered them, while he was observing a known comet. He was known for observing comets that had already been discovered, those that he discovered and those comets discovered by others. One of Messier's strengths was map making, and for many of those comets he would create a map of the sky and plot the comet as it moved across the sky. I have gone through Messier's descriptions of his objects, 
And here are the ones that he found while following a comet across the sky. First is M1. He found that on September 12th, 1758, while observing the comet of 1758. Then came three more objects found in a space of three years. And for each, he found them while observing a different comet. M50 was found on April 5th, 1772, which Messier saw while observing the comet of 1772. That comet was called Periodic Comet Bela. It was first found on March 8th, 1772 by Montique, later by Pons, and later again by Biela. So while observing that comet, Charles Messier discovered M50. M51, Messier picked up this one while observing a comet that he discovered, the comet of 1773. And he picked up M51 as a comet went by it on October 15, 1773. The very next object, M52, was found by Messi on September 7, 1774, while he was observing the comet of 1774. Next, the comet of 1779 passed by several objects discovered by Messier when he observed that comet. That comet ran a path through several parts of the sky. The first that he picked up was M56 on January 19, 1779, then M57, the Ring Nebula, two weeks later, and on April 15th, the comet passed by M58, M59, and M60, and while observing the comet, he discovered those Messier objects. A month later, he discovered M61 while observing that same comet. So, to sum it up, the objects that Messier discovered while observing known comets were M1, 50, 51, 52, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, and 61. Okay, now part two of the story. Most comets that have been discovered visually were found by those actually looking for a comet. Since January 1st, 1975, 94 comets have been visually discovered. Nine of them were found accidentally. That is, the person was not specifically searching for a comet. That means that 90% of those 94 comets, that's 85 of them, were found by people who were comet hunting. But let's concentrate on those found accidentally. I will discuss some of those nine comets this week in reference to the Messe objects. And next week, I will revisit those accidental discoveries in more detail. And we will add a comet discovery that took place prior to 1975, one in 1968. What were these people looking for? when they found these comets. For four of these accidental discoveries, the folks were looking for 
Messier objects. On August 24th, 1968, John Bailey Urban and Patrick Clayton discovered a new comet while looking for M57. In early July 1975, Doug Berger and Dennis Milan discovered a comet while looking at M2. On July 23, 1995, Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp discovered a comet while looking at M70. And on August 18, 2001, Vance Petru discovered a new comet while looking for M1. Concerning M57 and M1, the search for each one led to a new comet discovery, and Messier found each while observing a known comet. In Messier's case, it was known comets leading to new Messier objects. Centuries later, it was known Messier objects leading to new comets. So what about the other two objects, M2 and M70? Messier found M70 while he was searching for comets. And M2? It wasn't discovered by Charles Messier. It was discovered by Jean-Dominique Meridae of France on September 11, 1746. And, and how did he stumble across M2? He was observing the comet of 1746. Amazing. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? Say goodbye to Jupiter for a couple of months. See some planets in our morning sky. And see Comet Panstars, too. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 110 for February 9th, 2022. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z dot com. Two H's. It's at this website that you'll find my handouts each month. This week we have two, one of the evening sky and one of the morning sky. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, that is dontheastronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. I want to discuss more of the accidentally discovered comets found visually between 1975 and the present time. And we will look at a couple of bright double stars and a couple of open star clusters in our evening sky. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.